Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. The content in First Luke is all that Jesus began both to do and teach, and we emphasize the word began because Acts is the continuation of everything that Jesus began to do and teach. So in the gospel, we, hear, we see what Jesus taught and what he did. And in Acts, we continue to see what Jesus taught and what he did. The difference is, Acts is after his resurrection. So it says, until the day, verse 2, in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So now we see the apostles continuing to work on behalf of Christ. So the church is the body of Christ. Christ is in heaven. He's the head of the church. The church is his body. So now the church continues to do, continues in the teachings and the doings of Christ. And that's what we're seeing now as we look in Second Luke or the book of Acts. It says in verse 3 that he was with them for 40 days, training them and teaching them in things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So after 40 days, then he was uh, taken up, and they had another 10 days. And they were counting from the wave sheaf offering when he was taken up until Pentecost. So that's where we come in now in Acts 2 at Pentecost. Acts 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. In other words, they have been counting. They got to 40. Then they had another 10 days to go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. They get to the 50th day. This is now the day of Pentecost has fully come. They were given the instruction to wait in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit. Once they received the Holy Spirit, they were then to be his witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and throughout the rest of the world. And so that acts as a table of contents. Rick is here. Great. So that acts as a table of contents. I think I'm off the hook now. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, yeah, so wonderful. So we'll, we'll just do a, like a, a little foray into Acts 2 now that the Dublers are here. And uh, we'll give them the opportunity to deliver the message that they've prepared. So, um, welcome, welcome. You're safe. You're safe. (laughs) 
So you'll see that the day of Pentecost was fully come. So I think this is significant for us because, first of all, it shows that after Christ's death, the disciples were still observing the holy days. And they were still counting to get to Pentecost. It's not that Christ died and it's like, oh yeah, all that Jewish stuff, that's out the window. Now we're Christians. No, this is God, these are God's holy days. And so they were still counting. In fact, look at, I think it is, let's see here, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8. Just keep your finger here in Acts 2. But 1 Corinthians 16 this is now well into the preaching of the gospel. Christ is, 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 is off the scene for a while. They're Christians now. This is the Apostle Paul, who's the apostle to the Gentiles. And in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8, he says, But I will stay in Ephesus, working with the Ephesian Christians, the Gentile Christians, until Pentecost. So you can see he is structuring his travel around the holy days. And he wants to be with the brethren of, of Ephesus at Pentecost. Welcome, Brother Rick. We're happy. I'm relieved to see you. <laughs> yes, wonderful. We're relieved to have you. Um, so you can just see very clearly um, the holy days are, and we, we could do more of this, but the holy days are very much a part of the early church. There's this concept of Easter and Valentine's Day and Christmas. and This has nothing to do with the church. The church observes God's holy days. So in the day of Pentecost, uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 of, of Second Luke or Acts, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were listening to the commandment that they were given, which was to stay in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit. They were all with one accord in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So, so they're all in one place. It's on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly they hear this very strong wind that's very powerful, very forceful. So much so, it filled all the house where they were sitting. So they can hear this wind, and then suddenly the wind is filling the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. So they're all there gathered, I think they said about 120 brethren, and they hear this uh, wind. It suddenly fills the house as they look around, there are, are, is this cloven tongue that's hovering over each of them, or it sat upon each of them. And they were all, every one of them, filled with the Holy Spirit. So had they disobeyed Christ, Christ said, stay in Jerusalem uh, until you receive the Holy Spirit. So had they disobeyed and went their separate ways, they would not be part of this. Uh, and so very critical for us to make sure that we are obeying God. We don't know what God is going to do. We just want to know that if we're obeying him, we will be part of his plan. And so these hundred, remember 500 brethren saw Christ after he was resurrected. So that's an infallible proof. 500 witnesses saw him. They know he was resurrected. And yet it's 120 brethren that are gathered together in Jerusalem. So around 120, but it's not 500. So, so those 380 who saw Christ resurrected, but did not stay in Jerusalem. They were not part of this. And I don't know the explanation for that. But I know that the brethren that obeyed and were together, they received this miracle, and they received the Holy Spirit. They were not just received it, they were filled with it, and they began to speak with other tongues 
as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Christ began to teach and to do things that are recorded in First Luke. And now by filling the disciples with the Holy Spirit, he's going to continue teaching and doing, but this time through these brethren, and by extension us that are filled with the Holy Spirit. So it says that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. And this is a a bit of a contentious issue because many would have us believe that this uh, glossolalia is uh, speaking gibberish, that the Holy Spirit fills you up and you speak in some kind of strange language, uh, the language of angels. No one understands what you're saying, but this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And and very clearly we can see that that's not the case here. You know, uh, King James language calls languages tongues. So they began to speak in foreign languages. And proof of that is as we are continuing this in verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. So remember that these Jews were scattered by the Assyrians as well as the Babylonians. They were in different places and They were coming back. They were observing Pentecost in Jerusalem. They were dwelling. They were living in Jerusalem from various nations. And so they all spoke different languages, even though they were in Jerusalem. So the whole Assyrian uh, conquest of Israel was to spread them around. and, and, And Jews did migrate, but they were coming back and living in Jerusalem, speaking different languages from different nations. Now, when this was noised abroad, so there was this big um, event taking place in this house, and there was wind and tongues, and and this was then spread. You can imagine it being spread around. Something's happening. Something strange is happening in this house. So the multitude comes together to see what's going on, and they were confused because every man heard them speak in his own language. So if we're all here, we we hear this noise, there's this rushing mighty wind, we all hear it. it, it sort of focuses in a certain house. The people in that house have this miracle where a tongue sits on their head, and they're speaking in all kinds of languages. We rush to the scene to see what's going on. We're from all different nations. We're all devout Jews, but we're all from different nations, and we rush to the scene, and we're confused. Because these men are speaking, but every single one of us is hearing them speak in our language. We know exactly what they're saying. We're not confused. We, we, we hear the message. We hear the gospel. The, different, the thing is that we hear it in our own language. So the miracle is not that they are filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in gibberish. The miracle is they are filled with the Holy Spirit and they are given the gospel message, and the devout Jews who are from all different nations, they hear the gospel of Christ in their language. It is for them. They are to hear this. This um, glossolalia, as it is practiced in Pentecostal movements, is very dangerous. It is very dangerous. They are dabbling with the demonic realm. And it is, if you study glossolalia, if you study Pentecostalism, and you study voodoo, and don't put any labels on it, just watch a voodoo ceremony, 
and watch how they invite familiar spirits to overtake them. And the first thing that goes, they they, they have a very uh, specific ritual that they go through to invite demons. Well, they don't know it's demons. They familiar spirits. They, They believe they are gods. They don't know they're dabbling with evil. They believe they're dabbling with good. But the first thing that goes is their eyes. Their eyes roll back. The next thing that goes is their tongue. They begin speaking in gibberish. They lose control of their their muscles. And then their whole body goes into spasms. You see that in voodoo. And you look at a Pentecostal catching the spirit. And it's exactly the same thing. And I think this is something we have to get wise to. That people die. Ideas don't die. People die. Practices don't die. Ideas and practices morph, even though people die. And so we see this, and it's, it, you know, it's in Egypt, it's in Babylonia, it's all over the world. People dabbling with familiar spirits. And we see the same thing today. And the, the scriptures do not endorse this. Very, very clearly what Jesus began to teach something in Luke, in first Luke. And he continues to teach that same thing in second Luke. And the people understood very clearly what he was teaching. They heard it in their own language. Verse 7. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And I'm not sure of the exact connotation here but it's along the lines of aren't these the fools from Galilee that, that we don't we don't look up to Galileans they're they're kind of fishermen simple people and yet they have this ability how, how is it that they can learn to speak in so many different languages so there was a sense of confusion here and then how hear we verse 8 every man in our own language in our own tongue wherein we were born and then they explained the different nations they come from. So they were hearing the gospel in Parthia, in Medes, the Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak, in our language, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what does this mean? And others mocked, saying, these men are full of new wine. So I think what we'll do is we'll stop here. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.